Hello, welcome back to Capital Stories. This is the podcast where we talk to real people about real issues and explore intersections of life and faith mm-hmm. to encourage you in your personal walk with Jesus. And for a while now, Tara, you've been saying we need to talk to this guest we have today, Tony um, Ragsdale yep. and her husband, the Reverend. What's the mm-hmm. Reverend's first name? Mm-hmm. I don't even know the Reverend's first name. I don't know Maybe either. The I Reverend think it's Jay. It's the Reverend. Anyway, Ragsdale. he's just known as Reverend Ragsdale. Re- yeah, who... Um, run this mm-hmm. ministry called Fill the Pot mm-hmm. that Capital served with um, earlier this year. And you were right. We needed to talk to this woman. I had no idea. I was so right. You were so right. I had mm-hmm. no idea the story, the incredible story. Amazing. That this, um, I, I, it sounds like we're speaking in hyperbole when we say that. I love the hyperbole. <laughs> I love yes. the hyperbole and exaggeration. It's just not often that it's, it's, Correct. It's true. It's <laughs> so true. There were so. I wish I was on a microphone for this episode because there were so many times I just wanted to like, just yeah, you know, jaw jump drop, in with like, right. wow, that was incredible. Yeah. But I'm glad I wasn't because you would literally just hear my jaw mm-hmm. dropping to the table as a distraction. But and, this is this is her personal yes. story of getting to know who yeah. God is yeah. and 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 talking the talk yeah. and walking the walk in serving. The and they built something incredible. And yeah. what's amazing to me is. She would. She says in this in this interview that I don't feel like I've done that much. Actually, mm-hmm. she's just made herself available. Yeah, yeah. And that I think is the heart mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I, I hope we all can take from this. Mm-hmm. We're talking too long about this interview already. Just let's listen just to the get, interview. Let's just roll it. Here is Tony Ragsdale on Capital Stories. Oh, I am so excited to be talking to Tony Ragsdale. I remember during Serve Day, when Capital had our Serve Day in 2022, and we had a little team there, and Troy Champ, our lead pastor here, yes. remember? He yes. came in and had a conversation with you, and we came back and got back out into the car, myself with Troy and our executive pastor, Mackenzie, and they both started crying. And they said, I feel like we just met a celebrity in the kingdom of God. Oh, my. I know. Like, hashtag facts. That actually happened. And I sat there and realized, yeah, that's a good way to put it. So I'm so excited to be able to hear your story and hear your heart and hear the genesis of Fill the Pot, which is the ministry that you co-lead, and just the story of your faith and the depth of it. But there is something magical and beautiful about how you approach life the enthusiasm and the compassion and the sincerity with which you do it we're going to dig in we're going to hear about some personal stuff and some professional stuff as well but tell us first just kind of a little bit about yourself well hello actually (laughs) i was born and raised in chicago illinois grew up there high school Mm. lived here in utah for 30 years now Mm -hmm. I know intentionally, 30 years, Mm -hmm. Uh, have three children, many children. My sister passed away some years ago, so I took her girls. And also, I've taken in, oh my gosh, so many children. I call my home like the Underground Railroad for for children, (laughs) (laughs) for like a foster home no one knows about. Mm -hmm. That does not (laughs) surprise me. Mm -hmm. And so my house is always open to people who need a place to stay, like adults, children, I love giving. I love caring for people. Mm-hmm. I'm at a point in my life where I'm trying to find a balance if there's such a thing as, as that. Mm-hmm. I, the person that I can meet you, you can go, um, I'm, I have an apartment, won't be ready till the 15th. I'll say, you can come and stay with me. 
mm-hmm. and you'll say, I have three kids. And I go, oh, bring them too. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, I'm i that person. And I love people. I love the energy from people. I love serving. Mm-hmm. I love being available in the kingdom of God. Um, Where does that come from? That it's going to kind of work out and trust God with it? Mm-hmm. Did you always have that? Or did that grow? Did that no. compassion seed grow? It most definitely grew. Um, that's a really good question. Where it come from? A lot of the times, you know, things stimulate from our childhood. Yeah. And and if I'm going to dig deeper into that for mm-hmm. sure, I can say, my mom having six children, mm. mothering wasn't the top of her priorities. Mm. Um, to put it that way. Okay. And so I had to take care of the younger ones. Mm. I'm the middle child, and my two older sisters stayed with their father. Um, a pretty mm. good amount of time. And so I was responsible for the three younger ones under me. And so I took care of them. And they were always a part of like my life and I mothered them mm. and made sure they got ready for school. Mm. And then when other children in our family stayed at home or other mothers were being motherly or unmotherly, mm. I took care of my cousins. And when mm. I would go places, there was always a child there, if that's the case, if I can say in that aspect, mm-hmm. if there was a child there, I would always be drawn to that child, especially mm-hmm. if the child like needed someone to take care of them or comb their hair or take after them. I could see them in a corner in an empty room mm-hmm. or a room full of other people and I would draw to that child. And so it's always been like this thing for me to take care of children. Mm-hmm. And I, at some point I thought I would be I thought I would run a, a, a daycare team, run a daycare. It was going to be so huge. Then I was going to be a social worker, social worker, and I was going to be an advocate for children. And then I was going to be an attorney, and I was going to have a foster home. Mm-hmm. And so it was, going, it was so much wrapped up into taking care of children. But um, mm-hmm. that's not where my life journey took me, But as far as professional-wise. But my heart mm-hmm. always yearned to take care of people. So it's stimulated from childhood. I've always been taking care of kids mm-hmm. and when something's in you, it's in you. And at some point, I have to learn how to nurture it. So me becoming a mom actually wasn't challenging for me. The age probably was a little challenging, but it wasn't challenging for me. Because you knew be how to mother. do it. Right. It wasn't. So it was just care, a natural. It was just like a natural thing. Not that I didn't have challenge, but it was just re- literally it was natural for me. Mm-hmm. Um, trusting God. No, I didn't grow up in a home where God was. I guess even spoken at or, all. No, at all. Or prayer. There was oh. time we would go to the churches in our community. Grew up in Chicago. There was like a hundred churches, a church on the corner, a small church, a huge church. A lot of times, like we didn't have food at home. So mm-hmm. if the churches were open on a Saturday or doing something, we would go down to the churches and, mm-hmm. and um, like maybe help clean up or act like we're going to sing in a choir or something. And then they would like have us come in, but they would feed us. Right. And so that part of church I do remember for sure. And mm. if you want to tie God into that, that God just kind of opened the doors to make sure that we had food. Mm. And the churches on the corner, we will find another church that was doing revival. I don't even know what's called revival. We would hear them outside singing. We would go sit down and they'd be like, they had chicken and they had sandwiches. And we would just like, I would have my younger brothers and sisters. We would just find places and to go eat. And churches were the places in the summertime. <laughs> You might think about it, but yes. Yeah, so yeah. even then, like the hand of God was moving, but church was not a part of our lives and at that time. It just wasn't. When did it become a part of faith and Jesus become a part of your life? Craziness. Um, let me go back. Many, many moons ago, I had got to a point, I was a single parent then, and I said, 
I think I do a pretty good job with my kids installing things in them and making sure they understand manners mm-hmm. and being respectable. And we do pretty good at school and managing them and working and things like that. And so um, I said, the one thing I want them to have is understanding of God. And I think if they understand God, some of the hurts and stuff that happen in life, they may be able to deal with them. This is what I said, like without even being engaged in church. So there was this church in our neighborhood, Unity Baptist Church, and they had put these flyers around and it was like a East, an Easter egg hunt. And so then I was like, oh, I'll take my kids to the Easter egg hunt. Took them to the Easter egg hunt for the community. So they was like, come back. And I was like, no, I don't do church. And so then my kids had such a great time because I think it was the first time they were ever around like other black kids. And it was like, yay, black mm. children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they got excited. And so I was like, okay, I'll take them to church. So I took them to Sunday school and... Me still not trusting, not was going, not knowing what's going on, understanding, put it that way, the ignorance part of it. I sat in Sunday school class with them in the children's class. And then I took my chair, set it by the door, just sat in the back while my kids learned Sunday school. Sunday school was over. We left. So I did that for about a month. Then one day, a lady was ushering. She said, you want to come in? I said, no. She said, well we, well, we taught your kids a song. They want to sing. They were like, can we sing? I'm like, oh, gosh. Okay. All right, go sing. And so then I went. I took a chair. I sat at the back of the sanctuary by the door next to the usher. Easy escape. Uh-huh. And so when my kids were going to get done singing, let's go. And so, that was, <laughs> and so she's like, why are you coming to church? And I was like, I figured my kids may need a little bit more help. This world is kind of mean. And I think I've... I've installed some good things in them, but I think if they understood a bit more about maybe God, he probably can help in the areas I can't. And that was my, really my <laughs> thinking, like I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, but they need something else because they need, I won't always be with them. Mm-hmm. And so it was just something there still that I didn't, I didn't understand and know. And then one day I went to church and went to church, went inside the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And then I put my chair at the back of the door again. So then she says, why do you keep sitting in the back? And I'm like, because I want to. Mm-hmm. And she says, what are you afraid of? I love a good dare. That's me. I said nothing. She said, well, you think God is going to get you or something? I said, no. She goes, well, go to the front then. So I got up. I went to the front of the church <laughs> 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 it with my kids. And from there, it just turned around. And mm-hmm. then I was actually the message. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, is this real? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I didn't even understand the Holy Spirit, but something just mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. in the conviction. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and it wasn't like, like, I'm a good person. I don't go do this and do this and hurt people. And uh, mm-hmm. But it was like, but God, like, how are you dealing with those things? And and Jesus died for you mm-hmm. and and you're not recognizing him. And it's all it became so real to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not kidding. So I just took off running. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even understand, like... It was a challenge, but even to go back, I seriously just took off running from there. Mm-hmm. Like, you were like, I, be- I believe. I, yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, and I, <laughs> and it was like the next Sunday I went to church and I went in and I went and sat on the second tier again, <laughs> like right there in front. And then it was like, they did an altar call. And before I knew I stood up, I was like, me? I was like, oh, put your hand down. And I was like, <laughs> hey, so why like, are you oh, up? Really? And it was, and it was amazing. And it was mm-hmm. like, what am I doing? And it's like, and I very rarely cry. And it was like tears and this and that. Mm-hmm. And the, I call it the shedding, the purging stage and mm-hmm. understanding God. So, mm-hmm. and I just don't know. At some point, I didn't, I didn't understand, like, how did you make it this far? You've just been 
surviving life mm. in your best form and finally understood like peace. Yeah. And um, you're not alone. Literally. The very thing that you yeah. wanted for your kids, yeah. you got for yourself. I, for, for myself. Seriously. I mean, it's just so interesting to think that as a mother, you're mm-hmm. just thinking about your kids. That's what I was thinking about. I just know I'm not always going to be able to be there for my kids. That's exactly what I said. So I need to make sure something, but they have something to anchor them. Think about yourself as nope. a child, having been one of those children yeah. grown up that also needed yeah. that unconditional love and support. Yes. And that's what it was for. Like, I went to help them to be able to be more sound and stable And when life hit them. And it was like, God was like, no, I need you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I just can't even imagine, like, literally, mm-hmm. like right now, it's been amazing. Yeah. Well, you yeah. certainly um, answered that call. <laughs> <laughs> I literally did. <laughs> and so, then you met, at some point, the Reverend. Yes, actually. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. I, my first husband and I married, separated, divorced, remarried. Okay. Okay. And so then I was in Rose Park when I first had my encounter and the kids in my own home. I actually ended up being the first time home buyer with my children, single parent. Hmm. So just kind of step in stone, make some big accomplishments. And then we moved to Sandy where I live at now. Mm-hmm. And then my first husband End up passing away a couple of years later when we mm-hmm. lived in Sandy. And I was a widow when I met my husband now, Reverend Ragsdale. Yeah. And I met him at Taco Bell <laughs> on my lunch break. <laughs> 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 and, um, crazy, amazing journey, but we've been hanging out since. We first became like best friends, like literally best friends. Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm not into dating. Don't really want to mm-hmm. do anything. It's still mm-hmm. this whole widow thing and kids and he was so patient and just kind of hung out in the background and friendly and mm-hmm. for like over a year and then we actually like he was like you want to go on a date and I was like we could go to Taco Bell I know huh I was <laughs> like we already date every once in a while and then he's like no like let me lay it out to you mm-hmm. and so we've been again running since yeah. yeah 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 and so as you got to know God okay. for me there were two steps of getting to know God there were two pieces that were very, that were separate for me. Okay. I remember similar to you coming to church because my boyfriend asked me to come to church and I thought, Oh, I don't want to go to church, but I went sat in the back. Blah, 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 yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Whatever. And then over time, I remember listening and thinking, this is practical. This Bible has okay. to do with my life. And the anger that I feel and the pain Mm -hmm. that I feel and the grace that I can't even wrap my brain around, but I know deep down is somehow going to change my life. Right. Right. And I listened to that guy speak up on that stage and I, and I believed, and I had that moment, that Holy Spirit crawling up my spine moment of like, I believe. Right. And that was step one. But step two was when I feel like I fell in love with the heart of God. And that was through serving. That was through meeting people in need. Right. That was understanding how much God cared about people in need in this world. And when that happened, it was a completely different experience and encounter of knowing God. And it feels like, like, when did that part, it's kind of like that stage two, because that just catapulted you into this like realm of 
pouring out your life. Yes, 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 yes. Right. Without even a second thought. I would say for myself, mine was more like when I realized that God as- actually loved me hmm. and he sent his only son for me hmm. and he rescued me and how much, like you stated, anger mm-hmm. and brokenness mm-hmm. and how he could heal you and deliver you and transform you. I wanted others to have that, hmm. especially those that were close and dear to me. Mm-hmm. And I watched it and I wanted others to have that so bad. So I just began to dive deeper into his word. Like it was like I was a study bee into the Bible, into scriptures and Joyce Myers and learning. <laughs> I, I was just I was on it. If it was on television or if it was a tape or mm-hmm. or. TBN. I learned a lot from yeah, TBN. I, seriously, a lot. A <laughs> lot. And I was just like, that's so good. And my spirit would just catch it. And I just wanted to help again as that inner child. I want to help somebody mm. that's hurting or that's sad. And, and you don't have to be sad. And let me tell you what God would do. And so I think I really believe my transforming part of just like knowing that God is so real and just jumping in without looking down, knowing whether it is concrete or water. I was just like, I just know God's down there and he'll save me. And I just went and I was, cause I wanted everyone to understand and know what I found. It was like, I found a pot of gold and guess what? And then there's diamonds in it. And then there's more jewels and rubies <laughs> and, and it's endless. And so I was, I took off like that. Mm. Of course, the deliverance wasn't always good. <laughs> cause we had to learn how to do it more like instead of so urgent, but urgent with love. And so mm. mine was that, let me, tell you the greatest secret in the world let me tell you about a god a man a person a spirit a healing a deliverance Mm. something that would transform your life and i just wanted to offer that to people it's like there's a sale going on and so that's how (laughs) how i was like there's a sale going on literally and you have to know and it's 100 percent. you know you pay nothing for it literally but your time. And so that's how it was. And that's, and that was, and so then going into the portion of like jumping into like giving more mm-hmm. and how God like the, um, expanded our territory. Mm-hmm. I think that was just like, um, another huge stepping stone, like a leap for me. Like, ah, I've landed like, you know, on Plymouth mm-hmm. here, like solid ground. Mm-hmm. This is where I belong. Because mm-hmm. at first I was running around putting out small fires and I want to help this person and help that person and save this person. But then when my husband mm-hmm. with the ministry, and it was like, this is it. This, this is what I need to do mm-hmm. because I also did children's church and I did mm-hmm. other things in church, which were all great. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. They helped me. They stretched me. Mm-hmm. They helped me to grow. But I just know that when I got a whiffed, Mm-hmm. And God hit my spirit. I just wanted everyone mm-hmm. to know that you don't have to be like that. You don't have to be so angry because I'm I'm ticked off half the time. Mm-hmm. And but you could, that could be controlled, mm-hmm. and and um, understand the reason behind it, mm-hmm. and um, revelation. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even understand what revelation was. It was like, oh, you had a great idea. I'm like, no, that's not. That's really revelation, or something pops mm-hmm. up. So it was like a lot of that. And I get what you're saying, and I understand it. But mine was like. I have something that would change your whole world. And if you just try it, like that was mine. Yeah. Like I just want to give you yeah. what I've experienced that mm-hmm. could 
take you from here, man, to the top. When the reverend presented or proposed this channel of serving those in need, the homeless community, like that became sort of the channel through which you were going to do this. Is that what you're saying? Like you were doing children's church and you were doing this and you were doing that. And then there became this, this path to invest your efforts and your resources. Yeah, I was doing actually all that because I have energy from somewhere. I have no idea. I mean, it really is you remarkable. Know, just, it's crazy it's because a I was weird doing children's church, thing. Sunday school, yes. and then Tuesday night Bible yeah. studies. What's your secret? Mentor group, <laughs> God, great. <laughs> I, I was doing like all of that and then going home and like, I mean, it's so insane the things I was doing. But for my husband with Phil the Pop Ministry, yeah. his brother was homeless and on drugs. And so he ended up being in Utah. He came a couple of years before he met me, found out one of his brothers was on drugs, hit him like hit him hit him like a ton of bricks. Mm. And he's his one of his older brothers, he looked up to, mm. said, I need to go to Utah and see what's happening with my brother. And when he got here, he found his brother in Pioneer Park, mm-hmm. homeless on drugs. Mm-hmm. And so he told his brother basically, No, I want to take you back to California with me. But my house is a clean house. We're going to go to A classes, mm-hmm. whole mm-hmm. spill. So his brother did. He got on his feet, mm. got together, mm. came back to Utah. At that time, shortly after that, he was going through a divorce. Mm. Kind of hit him hard. And he was kind of you know, not feeling so good mentally, emotionally. So he called his brother. Hey, got a lot going on, going through a divorce, really not putting things together in my head. His brother said, I helped you out. I'm on my feet. I got my kids with me now. Come and stay with me till you get things cleared in your head. So he did. That's why he came back to Utah. That's why he came back to Utah. And then he was actually had a job, but he was wrapping things up to leave like the next month. Then he met me at Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. Taco Bell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so the reason why he decided at some point in your marriage, he said, I want to go to Pioneer Park and just start serving Right. Just like bring food to Pioneer no, Park, the actually, two of you. No, actually no. what happened, his brother, he and his brother talked about doing this. His brother's going to do the homeless part and he was going to do the homeless part and he was in the drugs because they went to AA class. They both went to AA classes. Mm. He went with his brother to be a sponsor to figure things out mm-hmm. so he can know how to be able to serve people and meet them at their need. Hmm. And then his brother got on his feet. Things happened. And then one day he went to sleep and then wake up. Oh. Yeah. Drugs take a toll on your body. Even though he had been clean for a minute, had his kids living with him. And so oh. so my husband mm-hmm. went through that morning stage and then he mm-hmm. came to me one day and said, hey, it's time for me to go to work. And I'm like, well, where you been going all this time? <laughs> and he was just like, I, like, I know checks get deposited. <laughs> and we had been married like a year then. Oh. And then I, he's like, well, I need to go to work for God. He said, my brother Lee and I, we're going to talk, we'll talk about doing the homeless and the, on the streets and me doing this part, he doing that part. And I'm like, okay, good, cool. And I thought he was just going through a phase because his brother, like a teenager that buzzed their hair off or something. I was like, mm-hmm. he's going through a phase. <laughs> and so he went out there one Sunday to the park and I'm like, okay, let him go. A month go by. I'm like, you're still doing this? No, seriously, I was not on board. And this is 15 years ago. Yeah, this is 15 years. Actually, our 15-year anniversary is coming up next month. Mm. And so I was not on board. And I was like, this is insane. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I know he has 
you know, lost his brother. He's grieving. Mm-hmm. But now he's saying, like, let me take food out. And at this time, let me get you to set the scene up. There was 13 people living in my household. Um, <laughs> my family, his nephew from his brother who had passed away, my sister and her kids, my sister had went through a major stage of depression. Mm-hmm. She was diabetic. She mm-hmm. refused to take her insulin and stuff and mm-hmm. kidneys and stuff began to shut down. So mm-hmm. I had her kids and grand- grandchild live with me. So that's 13 of us there. My husband does construction. In the wintertime, mm-hmm. construction hours get very low. Mm-hmm. You may do 15 hours a week, if that at times. Mm-hmm. And so I had a hard time because I was like, you're first you were just going out there with maybe coffee or something, I don't know, or some donuts. Now you're saying, We're fix buy a pot this of food. food. And so I was not on board with that. And I'm like, you know, again, looking at the circumstances, not trusting God to mm-hmm. you know, provide. I'm like, we have 13 mouths in here to feed and blah, 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 blah. And he's just like, but I, I need to go. And I'm like, is he still going through this? And so then one day I said, this is, by this time, though, it's January, it's cold. And I'm like, Okay, I'm going to get up and go with him. I'm going to put a stop to this. <laughs> I'm going to let him know this is nonsense. I have a plan. Yeah, I, oh, I had a plan. Oh, yes. And he'll see that this is ridiculous, that you're taking food out here, feeding these people, and right. this is not happening, and you are missing hours at work, and we have I'm working these hours, and uh, it was like I had this whole master plan, and I'm going to stop it. Yep. And this is it. And he'll see. Sure will. Because I want to point out to him that... This does not make sense. And so then I get out there with him. Like down to Pioneer Park. Down to Pioneer Park. Like we, just yeah, we, show up on yeah, Sunday mornings. Yeah, I actually, I went with him. I said, I'm going to go with you. He was like, what, you are? <laughs> I said, yes. Yeah. So I get dressed and put on my boots and my coat and stuff. And I'm in the truck with him. We get to Pioneer Park. He pull in. And so then he have coffee and he has some donuts. And so then I'm watching him. He got the truck and I'm like. It's Pine Night Park. I'm over. Go. Be careful. Don't go too far. I need to be able to see you. You know, I'm from Chicago. I got your back. If you need some help, let's see here. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm good. And it's because, you know, our mind think homeless, dangerous. Yeah. What are you doing out there? Watch yourself. And nothing wrong with being alert. Right. And so then he is out there. So he got out of my sight and I couldn't see him. Mm-hmm. So I get out of the truck <clears throat> and I find him down in, a little further in the park by a tree. And there's this lady lying under this tree mm. and she had a cardboard box over her mm-hmm. and he took off his gloves he sat on the ground in the snow and then he took the coffee and he cleaned the snow off her cardboard box I'm so serious guys he lift her head up and he says hey I need you to drink something and she was like saying saying something I couldn't hear it and she was like no mumbling it and he says, yeah. And he lifted her head up. He gave her some coffee. And he's like, I need you to put some warm in your body. Make sure you can move and make sure you don't, you know, get too cold and, you know, and pass out here. He's like, so sit up. He lifted her up a little bit more and he put, gave her some more coffee. He's like, move your body a little bit. Come on. And he's like, get something warm in your system. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I start watching him in this God-like form. I promise you. He get off the ground. And he goes to the next person. This guy was like, it's cold. He takes his gloves out of his pocket, handed it to the guy. and was like, you want some coffee? And I'm like, I'll go get it. So I'm running <laughs> back to the truck. And I, and I mean, was, that's when I jumped in. Like to see him in action. And God just showed me that you're living in fear because you're looking at finances and circumstances. And you're not trusting me like you're supposed to. And there's a need out here and that's so much greater. Hmm. 
so much greater than what you're looking at that's inside your home. I mean, like my heart's in the right place, but basically get off yourself. Hmm. And most definitely I didn't want to be a stumbling block to him if that's what God called him to do. But even by me being in his ear and living in fear, which blew me away because I didn't understand I was. Because I also am like, well, God gave us common sense, too. And yeah. we don't take the last yeah. of our money and give it to people right. on the streets. I'm, I'm trying to feed yeah. the 13 people I'm yeah, already exactly. responsible for. But then it hit me like, you know what? You've been living in fear. You're not trusting God. You're, mm. not, you're not expecting that ram in the bush. Mm. You're not knowing that God's going to provide. Yeah. You're not saying, you're not looking at that, you know, you mm. planting a seed. Mm-hmm. And your seed is food. And you're not saying that when your pot is low, you give more. And the very things that you believe you're not practicing at this t- at this time in your life. And so um, seeing him move and serve, I it, it was like um, I, f- I became shame mm. of like literally like, who have I been to you? I've been I haven't supported you mm. in this rim of your life. Mm. And I just chunk it up with like you lost your brother and you'll be OK. But this is so much bigger than that. Yeah. And so then again, that's when I was like, what can we do? What's next? Let's get some more food. And God has been, we've been moving and God's been blessing, like yeah. seriously. So what was, what was next? What was next is that um, I started making the kids get up in the morning time and go with us. <laughs> they were. I mean, this became your church. It became our church. And I still would, like, we would go to the park at like 536 a.m. Mm. And then leave the park and be wrapped up by 1030, go to the go to church, the Calvary Baptist Church, change our clothes and then get ready for service at 11 o'clock, like mm. running in the sanctuary. And then I would teach, teach children's church and then do other stuff. And so what was next is that we just dived in mm. and I started fixing food and our audience in the park from Pioneer Park became two people, 10 people, 20 people, mm-hmm. 50 people, a line of people. And it just kind of grew. Mm-hmm. And so then we start going places like Walmart asking for like leftover breads and rolls and food and donuts to help. And so they would give it to us. We start, we start going and get, trying to find if someone can give us meats because it became expensive. Yeah, yeah, because I'm like, it's cold outside. We can make um, pots of soups and stews. They go a yeah. long way. Yeah. And so then we get into church one time. One day we came to church, run to the door. Our pastor says, why are you guys always running to church, changing clothes and running to the bathroom? He's like, I know you got a lot of people in your house, but you got to, they don't let you go to the bathroom. <laughs> we're like, no, sir. This is what's happening. This is what we're doing. We're feeding people in the park. He said, really? Why don't we know that? We're like, we've just been doing it for you know, a while now. And this is like maybe, I'm going to say this is probably maybe like, seven to eight months, nine months later. Mm-hmm. And because we were going to another church when we first started. Mm-hmm. And so then he made an announcement in church and said, hey, guess what the Ragsdales do? And they were like, what? Basically. <laughs> and then he told them what we do. And I was like, what? And it was like, how can we help? Mm-hmm. And so we were like, we're good most of the time, but we need to have food because again, we have a hundred thousand people in our home. And right. then, so this is how Fill the Pot name came up. Okay. So, my husband said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to DI, Desert Industry. I am going to purchase six or seven pots. I'm going to put them on a table by the back door at the church. And if you want to take a pot out the door with you when you leave the next Sunday, I bring them in. Bring it back here by 7 o'clock. Put it on a table. We'll pick them up. 
So we start going to the DI, getting pots, empty pots, leave them on the table at the church. People pick them up, take them home, and fill, fill them the up, pot. and fill the pot up. And so that's how. And after a while, people just start bringing their own aluminum dishes and pans and pots. And so that's how I fill the pot. Got its name, and we just kind of roll with it. And then you would bring the pots too. Mm-hmm. And we were, and I was like sit up and cook until like one, two in the morning. Oh gosh. Yeah, food. And um, so we were in Pioneer Park for nine years. Rain, sleet, snow, hail, two degrees, 12 degrees, 80 degrees, wind storms with the tents flying across 400 South. <laughs> oh my gosh, wind storm. It was insane. Oh my gosh. And we just stayed faithful. Then people found out about it in the park and just start. How can we help? I mean, God just like, like he said, build it and there come. Yeah. Like literally. Like build it and they come and they and they came yeah and people kept coming to help serve. We were serving seven hundred people, mm. like eight hundred people, four hundred people any given Sunday, and then we started getting the clothing ministry started like out of my closet in my kids' closet, and so we started. I started going through their clothes and my sister' clothes, and I was like, here. So we set up. I would take a a folding table with me and a tent to put over my girls because they were still a little nervous, and they would do the clothing part. And the handout stuff. So we just started the clothing ministry there. We started with the food, the coffee, and we just rolled on. It's been an amazing journey. Um, I could say rewarding in so many ways. Challenging. Mm -hmm. A lot of growing pains. You have to know that you know what you're called to do. Um, You have to be well-rounded with people. You have to have thick skin to Mm -hmm. do this. And also empathy compassion, mm-hmm. um, love for God. No, seriously for God, because there are some times when you get a few stones thrown at you and you have to remember the reason you're doing this. Um, mm-hmm. You have to have a peace about you and a joy for what you do without getting paid financial monetary money and mm-hmm. know that um, it's so much bigger than you. You must love people. I promise you that. You have to love the community. You have to know that you're created to serve without having your hand out for more. You just have to kind of, and you have to know who you are in God. You just have to literally know who you are in God and stand strong and just keep trusting and keep trusting and keep trusting. There's times where probably we shouldn't even have the doors open, but God is so faithful, so amazing. Um, he always come through. I say a ram in the bush. He always have a ram in the bush. Yeah. He always delivers. We just we, literally, like it says, when all else fails, just stand. We just stand. Mm. And I believe, I'm not kidding. I believe so much in just being available, like every day for God. And when I wake up in the morning time, my family will tell you this, that those who know me close would say, I wake up morning time and I'm like, God, what's next for me? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, put someone in my path mm-hmm. that I can be a blessing to the day. Mm-hmm. And let me see the least of them. Like these things go around in my head. And I'm not like this perfect person because I have moments too. But I'm like, God, put somebody in my path so I can kind of like maybe compliment or who I can see that something that spirit may be sad so I can say something to them today. And, or show me something different that I can get excited about you for. And I just kind of go, I go seeking I'm not kidding. Sometimes it's crazy. I just, I'll be like, is that you, God? Or is that me just kind of being Tony and out there? Because sometimes I can be out there. And God be like, no, that ain't me. But you can go if you want to. <laughs> and then sometimes I just take off again, jumping. 
Well, I'll see if it's water or concrete. Mm-hmm. And then God go, I'm going to catch you, but next time you better leap. And I'm like, okay, that wasn't a view. I better be good. Okay, I better stop. Because I'm like, I want to help. And then I'll just go run and help. And yeah. I'm like, nope, I didn't see you on that journey. But when you get done, I'm like, okay, let me back out Come slowly. Back. <laughs> Thank you anyway. Have a good day. <laughs> it's such an extraordinary yeah. story. <laughs> How has your view of after your experience for so many years with the community with people because now let's give our our listeners some context of what fill the pot is now here we are 14 15 years later and you are in a big warehouse downtown yes and you have teams that start in the morning. Your clothing <laughs> ministry, your grills, your yes. I mean, you serve a hot, long buffet line of food yes. um, every Sunday morning. And the resources that you provide that you're still building is just yes. is still building. And still building. they're still coming. And yeah. I want you to, to share a little bit about that. Um <clears throat> what has your experience been of of the community as they serve? Because it seems like when I've served there and volunteered and had other people volunteer there, it's very important to you and to the reverend. You really make an effort to look in people's eyeballs. We do, yes. Look in the eyeballs of the people that you're serving in the in the homeless and marginalized population and look into the eyeballs of the of the volunteers too. With the same the same just connection. Right. And I just, I don't, I wanted you to just speak to that a little bit because it seems like both sides of that are just as important. Oh, for sure. To your ministry, which sometimes you volunteer and you go and they say, oh, you know, you, you kind of check. It's not that. It's like, no, I want to be with you as we're serving together. I think for us, we're like, we're so personable. Yes. And, And we're like. When you've met us, you've met the Ragsdales. Mm-hmm. And we're oh, like, I know them. Right. You know, and we're, that per- we're that person. Being in Utah for 30 years was challenging. Yeah. And because first there wasn't a lot of blacks here. And then mm-hmm. there probably still not a lot of blacks. I don't know. But still, but, and then not being LDS. And then my mm-hmm. kids didn't have friends. And that mm-hmm. was hard. And so the separation of religion and culture was hard on me. And it really broke my spirit in a lot of ways of trying to understand how are we supposed to be God, Christ-like, and we're so divided, and we're supposed to be built on love. Mm. But because of this, mm-hmm. my children don't have friends. Mm. And so I never understood that. And then so it can you know set up in you, become a little bitter, and then... As my kids got older, living in Sandy, still was some issues with that. And I noticed my kids were picking up on my spirit and no language of speaking of like, oh, because you're this, because you're that. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. They're teenagers now. And now I hear and see them speaking the same dialogue like, well, it's because and because and because we're black or because we're not LDS. And a lot of that was true, but I didn't want them to end up letting mm. become the victim mm. or end up allowing stereotypes mm. like we feel apply to other people. Mm. And so I had to look at like, what did I project upon them and how can we change this? And so I had a few friends who were LDS and white. And so. 
I try to incorporate them more into it. Mm-hmm. And then we start asking questions. And so then when Fill the Pot took off and my husband and I in the park and people start coming by and me, most of the LDS community, and I had to ask God to help me with that. Mm-hmm. Also, because I, I realized I had pushed it down, but I hadn't had it resolved or healed. Mm-hmm. And so then it was like, Lord, I want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. And I see you moving in our lives. And um, there's such a separation, division, and a segregation because of religion. And we want to be the bridge for that. Because people will come up and go, oh, you guys go to the Baptist church. Okay, see you. Oh, so who's the leader of this thing? We are. Who's over you? Us. All right, bye. And people still do that now today. They'll come in and go, I heard you guys at the overseers will fill the pot. And I go, okay. And they go, so who's over you guys? Where's the, what's the main head guy at? I'm like, over there. They go, like, no, who's over him? Hmm. God. <laughs> and what I do, I go, God. And so we still get that, but we handled it better. So mm-hmm. we had to get to a point, especially myself, where I kind of go, God, if you're going to use me, strip me. Mm-hmm. If you're going to use me, heal me. Mm-hmm. And the very thing that has set me apart, that's a thorn in my side, I don't want that to be a stumbling block for the growth here in the community. And it's so crazy because then God started, everyone started coming up was like LDS, like, hey, we can help. We want to serve. And it was like, okay, I see where we're going with this. And, um, and God just opened the doors. And right now, I promise you that I feel like we have bridged a gap hmm. in a community of misunderstanding hmm. and judgment and <clears throat> on both ends, yeah. on, on literally on both ends. Right. And, um, we call fill the pot like the great melting pot of Salt Lake City. We really do because people come in. We're not concerned about what religion you are. Mm-hmm. We're not concerned about your background or your culture. We tell people this ministry is built on God, Christianity. Mm-hmm. And if you can deal with that, come in the doors. If you're coming for anything else, we're not going to fight with you. This may not be the place for you. That's simple as that. But people come in, they go, oh, okay. Christian base, that's it. Because I believe we all, no matter what we think, if we come into certain community, we have a similarity there. You know, there are some things we have in common, and let's build off that. When you find the common interest of people, you can do anything. You can start a conversation. And so it's like, what do you guys like to do? What's the common interest? God is. What's another common interest? Our community, we all come here to serve. Um, we have a heart. There's a need. So let's build around that. And then build relationship. There's no end to the relationships with us. And we intentionally did that with the best heart because mm-hmm. there's no way for us to navigate and network and support and provide in this community without you and you. Mm-hmm. It's impossible mm-hmm. to do that with the best form and the best heart. Mm-hmm. And they call ourselves Christians, but say you can't come mm-hmm. because. And then the very thing that hit me hard that built up resentment. I'm going to do it to someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's to me, I think like shame on you. Mm-hmm. And so we felt like we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We can say that in a heartbeat when we're in the sanctuary, but when the doors open, can we live that? And our intention is to live that. So yes, we look into the eyes of the people yeah. that mm-hmm. we serve. We look into the eyes of the people that come down to serve because these people means, I promise you, 
They mean so much to us. There is no way. You've been down there. You can't get a spot to serve. Yeah, I mean, you, ha you have to sign up six months in advance to, to even up, get yeah, a spot really. on your volunteer teams. And there's no way that my husband and I can and that do speaks this operation. To, but that speaks to why. That yeah. speaks to what you feel and experience to uh, fill the pot. To fill the pot. Why and people want to come back. And we do. We, we got do. lots of people at Capitol here. A couple of our guys, Greg and John, they do the oh, coffee every Sunday morning. <laughs> they are doing coffee every yeah. Sunday morning. And we just were like, okay, why not? And then we have people that we, oh my gosh, friends for life. Yeah. Dinners, people invite us to their homes, yeah. um, sharing, loving, yeah. just like, hey, how are you guys doing? Check. I mean, I have some of my best friends. I'm not kidding. Um, so it's been beautiful. an amazing journey. So it's been beautiful. great. And I think like, like I said, I told some people last Sunday that came in, you want to know what God looks like? Mm. Look to the person next to you. Like, look at what we're doing. Look at how we're all together in this room. And I'm like, we had Middle Eastern family there. Then you have us who are black. You have the white community there. Mm -hmm. And you have, and I'm just like, are we, we're so misplaced sometimes spiritually. And we call it, but God with a butt in front. And it's like, no, no, no. That's no but God. It's like, this is God. Mm. And everyone just started looking around. I'm like, this is what God looks like. And when you remove this, we're doing ourselves a great injustice on how on the power of him. And we limit his resources mm -hmm. and his love. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what the person next to us is going through and how we can help them just by saying hello Mm -hmm. And being there and just serving next to them. people. I've seen people exchange phone numbers there. They'd be like, oh, wow. And hey, let me get your phone number. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, it's amazing. It's been yeah, amazing. It's beautiful. And that's the kingdom of God. I promise mm -hmm. you that. That's what that looks like to me. That's what that feels like to me. So I don't think we've done anything great, to be honest with you. And I'm not trying to be so humble either. But I think we, we, we were just available. Yeah. I think I really believe that because I'm like, I would tell my kids and my, and my young adults, be available. So I believe that we were just available and God used okay, you. and used us. And he still does. And and almost every other week I probably go, I quit. <laughs> I gotta be like, okay, I quit. This is it. And then, but when you get in the door, oh my gosh, guys. <laughs> I do I tell my husband, I'm not going down this tomorrow. I quit. He go, I know you do, okay. See you in the morning. I'm like, no, this time is serious. He goes, okay. I go, no, I know you don't believe me. I'm not coming. He go, okay. So then I'll wait and I'll push it to the end. <laughs> like, usually I'm there like around 7 o'clock because he gets there around 5.30. And so then I wait to 7.30. Then mm. at 7.40, I come to the door and he'll go, good morning, Miss Rax. Then I'm like, good morning, sir. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing today? <laughs> so. Tony, how are you funded? How are you feeding four, 800 people building you know, I, how does this work? Because you do not take any money from the state, if I understand that correctly, because you're not willing to to not pray, to not pray, basically, and not have scriptures and not say. God. So if you did that, you would be able to get some state yes. funding, mm -hmm. but you're They've not willing that. to do that. No, I would not do that. Yeah, there's so, no way. That, that, I know there's no amount of funds that can stop us. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. And, there, and it was hard to turn down money. It was. Um, I'll take that back. It was actually pretty easy. Well, the hard thing was like not like telling them to get out. When they, <laughs> when they told us that, I was like, what? They said, well, we cannot mix state with religion. I'm like, guys, come on, get out of here. This is Utah. Mm. They were like, <laughs> I did. They were like, <laughs> they were like, well, we know 
but just do this and do that. And I'm like, no, they were like, well, you guys need it because your plan and your layout is perfect and you're a black-owned nonprofit. Mm-hmm. We have the money. And, and it was great. And I was like, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. So then I told my husband when they left, I said, sweetie, I said, fill the pot ministry really is your calling. Mm-hmm. I come to support you. Mm-hmm. You're my calling. Mm-hmm. Where you go, I'll go with you mm-hmm. as long as your life lines with the word of God. Mm-hmm. But if you decide that you want to take that money and we have to put God to the side and denounce him, I told him this. He'll tell you, I would not come back down here to fill the pot ministry with you. Mm-hmm. I said, I can't. I said, I don't know how to do that. The very God, when there was one of us, two of us, three of us mm-hmm. in the park that helped us to stay afloat and we didn't get evicted and the house taken away. We're going to say no for thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And then he said, I have no plan, no intentions on taking that money. Mm-hmm. He said, no. And I'm like, all right, high five. <laughs> <laughs> do this. Yeah. And so what do you do? So what do we do? <laughs> we work. My husband and I both work, so probably about, be honest with you, my husband's income is enough to take care of us. I may have to have top ramen noodles every once in a while, but I can, it's okay. But, <laughs> but so probably about a good 60% of my income is put into a savings account mm-hmm. out of every check. Not, but we put so much out of every one of my checks into a savings account, then I transfer into a Fill the pot ministry account. And so we use that. Every once in a while, we meet someone that say, hey, I noticed you guys need some help. Or I seen your refrigerator was blown out or your lights in the back because people are nosy. So just private because you don't kind of go out and say, hey, we're doing a fundraising No, campaign. people just been doing it. And if we don't, if it's <clears throat> not there, God uses, I promise you, God provides. I mean, it happens. And then what hmm. happened a couple of years ago, one of our good friends, found out that we was buying a lot of meats and stuff and going to Costco and getting a lot of things. And he went to the LDS church mm-hmm. and the Bishop storehouse. And so they gave us a grant. Mm-hmm. So we get, a, oh my gosh, such a blessing. We mm-hmm. get a lot of our meats from there. Mm-hmm. And so they give us so much to use out throughout the year. And so we use that to, for the meats and mm-hmm. um, some, a lot of eggs and eggs and stuff like that. So it's, it's, that's been a great help. That's, Oh my God, that has eased the financial wow. burden. And that's what I'm saying. That's how amazing God Gosh, is. This like is God such a personal says, investment on every level. Yeah. God says, this connection. Like, like I said, there's no way that I, you love God and God is not providing mm-hmm. and going through the loops and connecting people mm-hmm. and weaving people together to make sure that you're able to take care of his people. Yeah. So that connection has been amazing. And so usually, like I said, something happened, private people, somebody might go, here's a couple hundred bucks. And it's like, it's usually right on time. But we stay open. We don't have a lot financially, but we have so much other stuff in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And we don't really get concerned about it. Mm-hmm. People have come in one time. It was like our, our um, first went out. And it's a huge building. Mm-hmm. And so it was cold. People came in in the wintertime. I was like, your furnace that we like, yeah, <laughs> we're saving up. We're like, yeah. We're like, no. The guy's like, so are you guys going to get it fixed? And I'm like, so I don't go really financial with people. And I was like, we will. And I was already like saving up so much money anyway to do it. And then he says, guess what? I own a heat and air conditioning company. God, a ram in the bush. I'm not kidding, guys. You should have seen it. I was like, what? Talk to my husband. Mm-hmm. So he's like, we want to help you get this fixed. Yeah. Oh, oh, so yeah. amazing. Yeah. So after 
Everyone left. They stayed an extra two hours working on things and said, you guys need a whole new furnace. You need this. You need that. We already knew that because someone came down and told us. And like, it's going to be, you know, $9,000. You have two units, three units on top this year. The furnace is like 20 years old. It, you have to take it off the roof and to get another one up there. We're like, oh, so this guy, Tyler, he emailed me and called, called my husband. He said, my company wants to do your units. Yeah. God mm-hmm. moved him mm-hmm. in such a mighty way mm-hmm. that they put both furnace on units on the top. They paid for the crane. They got the city ordinance, um, mm-hmm. what do you call it, signed so they can be able to bring a crane in the community. I literally flipped out. And <laughs> it's so amazing. And I was like, God, you did not just do that. Like, yeah. seriously. Like, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Really, seriously. Then I'm like... <gasps> Let us buy you guys dinner. That's my token of love. I don't know. That's all I got. Let me buy you guys dinner. <laughs> They're like, no, you don't have to. But, but I'm like, those are the things. That's a, yeah. that's trust. That's so huge. Yeah. And um, and if someone come in yeah. and go, I I I know you needed some women underwear, men underwear. Here's four packs. That's so huge. Yeah. That because to me it's like, thank you God, and that helps relieve some financial things this way. Mm-hmm. And um. And I don't know, it's like God whispers mm-hmm. throughout the community mm. and the schedule gets moved around. That's beautiful imagery. Yeah. Yeah. And then here comes Tara, like right in time. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. And it just happens. Mm-hmm. And I might have a slot open. Someone say, oh, my family, I want to come down. There's four of us. And this this guy with a slot of four people, him and his family, owns a heat and air conditioner. Yeah. And God just like moves, yeah. moves, mm-hmm. moves. Mm-hmm. And we just heard about you. Beautiful. Those things happen. So fundraiser, yeah. 15 year anniversary coming up. We're doing our first fundraiser. <gasps> I'm excited and nervous. Okay. I'm nervous. Okay. So, so in November, November the 11th, okay. 10th on a Friday. Okay. I know that. So okay. we have someone helping us put we'll it put together. Something, we'll put that on, yeah. on the resources page. I'm the, so excited for this. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so they said, you know, we don't ever have money. You could tell them right. we just yeah. trust God and we just go. They're like, so what's your projected goal? And we're like, I'm like, is that a real thing? Yeah, I, I know it is. I know it. I was like, <laughs> um, this was just asked. That's where Saturday. you get to dream. <laughs> I know, really. You know? It was just on Saturday. I was yeah. like. Uh, I never thought about that. Was like, what that about, we would make some kind of money yeah. that night. Yeah, and they was like, "What about five thousand? I mean, fifty thousand? I was like, "That's a lot." I was like, "Okay." Um, he's like, "Well, what does it take to run this place?" So I told him like a year because I do a lot of books and stuff. Yeah. And he was like, "Well, let's go higher than that." I'm like, "Like for real, reals? Like higher?" Yeah. He was like, and he told me a number. I said, "I haven't seen that number, but just visualize I'm about to faint." <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, I was like, "No, he said, no, that's doable." I was like, "Yeah." But anyway, so I'm excited. So it's our first time doing a fundraiser. And there's some things we need to do yeah. and get taken care of. And I yeah. think it's time to do a fundraiser. I think yeah. we're in a good place yeah. Yeah. we can do a fundraiser. You've so, you know, people know about yeah. you. And you yeah. now have a big email list of everybody you oh can invite. Oh, my gosh, so crazy. So we're like the small fish in such a huge pond of organization. You've got the, you know... Yeah, Christmas box around McDonald House. You got you have all these mm-hmm. big organizations. And then it's go... Marketing. Fill the pot. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, but, but we have the most, we have the huge hearts out here. You sure do. So it's like, you know, you sure where do. you guys been? It's like, oh, we've been under the radar. We wear, we yeah. wear beige and fly low. I don't know. Yeah. We just kind of, <laughs> we just kind of here. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, we're doing our thing. Yeah. I think our listeners can see why Troy said this <laughs> woman 
is um, a celebrity in the kingdom. That was so nice. I never heard that before. Yeah, a celebrity, really nice. a celebrity in the kingdom. And I think all the stories that you have said today, your heart, the beautiful way that you um, love and are loved by God and love people and are loved by people and just facilitate every, not these big plans, every single day, wake up with open hands to say, God, use me. Well, thank you so much for being with us, for sharing all of this, for your thank inspiring you for story. Me. To learn more, just listen on our outtakes about resources that are available. Um, Tony, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was amazing. It was yeah, good. It was you. great. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you for listening. And if you are uh, at this point in the yeah. episode, I think it's most likely yeah. that you are ready to learn more about yeah. Fill the Pot and give in some way. So you go to that fundraiser, mm-hmm. check out fillthepot.org for information on that. And also think about volunteering yeah. and serving. It really is an opportunity to yeah. hear some God whispers right, while you're right, there. So right. check out capitalstories.com yeah. for some resources. And thanks for listening. <laughs>